you are listening to Grit and Grace, where we encourage, uplift, and talk about the traumas and adversities that we and our guests have survived and how we overcame them. Today, we are here with Amy. Uh, Let's see. I met Amy. How? Oh, Amy's daughters came to my Love and Lift program. And I think that's the first time that I met you. And Amy was an instructor at Soul Story Yoga here in Yankton. And that's basically how I know her. But she reached out and would love to share her story overcoming adversity. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Amy. All right. Thank you. And thank you for having me on this podcast. I know when I read, uh, you know, the mission and what you were looking to do with this, I was like, yes, I am all about this. I think what this podcast is all about and, and what we're getting from sharing our stories and listening to the stories of other women is basically a chance to practice vulnerability. Um, and vulnerability is one of the most amazing practices, but one that also takes a ton of courage. Um, I could not talk about vulnerability without mentioning one of my favorite authors of all time, and that is Brene Brown. Um, The very first book I ever read of Brene's is called Daring Greatly, and the title of Daring Greatly actually comes from a speech that was given by Theodore Roosevelt, and that speech is titled The Man in the Arena. So in this case, in the Grit and Grace podcast case, I think we could almost rename that The Woman in the Arena. And with the woman in the arena, what we're getting at is that it is not the critics who count. So it's not the person who is in the sidelines or in the stands and looking at someone else's story and saying, wow, look how that person stumbled or look how that person came up short or could have done things differently or better. That doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. What it's about and where the credit should be given is to that woman who is in the arena and who is doing the work, who is showing up, who might fall a hundred times, but gets up a hundred and one times. And that's what we're celebrating here because I truly feel that we are all in that arena. And um, when we can, when we can say, I'm in the arena. Um, I've been here. I might not have faced something identical to you, um, but I faced something that might be similar or that maybe I can learn something from you. You can learn something from me and we can all grow together. That's what this is. So is it vulnerable to be sharing my story? Yes, it is. Is it, is it a little bit scary thinking of other people listening to this story? Um, yes, it is. But is it important work? Absolutely. And can we be there for each other and encourage others? Hey, stay in that arena, keep doing the work, um, and let's all come in, in, into this together. That's, that's what it's all about. And that's why I'm here today. So thank you for allowing me to be here. The part of my story that I'm sharing specifically dealing with adversity is my struggle as a person in recovery from an eating disorder. Um, The beginning of my story, kind of developing the eating disorder, I think it's something that didn't happen. Like all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, oh, I have this eating disorder. It was, it was really slow. Um, And I would say it started back, you know, when I was in about sixth grade, which um, at that time it wasn't really middle school. It was like the last year of elementary school and then we had junior high um and I was I was bullied um so I I mean pretty badly I I was just and again it's like hurting kids hurt others 
Um, so I think I, I have totally forgiven those people. And I mean, we were all kids at the time, but, um, that, that was difficult. It was difficult to navigate as a 12 year old. Um, you know, thank goodness I had a really supportive family that was always there for me and, um, just solid people in my corner that I think closed the loop. Things could have been so much worse. Um, but because it, it wasn't all bad, um, I made it through like a lot of kids yeah. do, but I'll, I'll kind of get into that if we have time, just why it's so important to me to be a volunteer and coach programs like girls on the run that are teaching empowerment skills and self-esteem and being part of a community and treating others kindly. But I would say that's kind of um, how my story started. Eating disorders are very challenging for a lot of people to understand because um, sometimes the common um, idea is that an eating disorder is all about food. And it's really not. It's truly not. Um, what I just kind of explained with the background and beginnings of developing um, this disorder um, really stemmed from the bullying, the major self-esteem issues, the start of depression and feeling not good enough, not worthy. Um, that was all kind of the foundational, what set the stage for some of this more outward stuff that you could see uh, the manifestation of the physical eating disorder. And so one way I can kind of explain that is um, the, the leaky roof story. And um, so with that, this is a true story. The first house that my husband and I owned um, was pretty old. I think it was built in like 1920s. Um, and shortly after moving in, we discovered that there was a problem with the roof. One day we noticed there was like water, the floor was wet. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't something that all of a sudden, like, oh, it was just like this downpour. It was like all of a sudden, oh, the floor is wet. So we started looking into it and it's like, oh, okay, it's coming from over here. And so at first it was until we could address the problem, it was like putting a bucket under it. And so that's what I think, you know, me being my height right now, five, nine and like 95 pounds at the time, um, my family and people who cared about me were like, okay, we have to address this. And at first it was like putting a bucket under it. So it was like, okay, you're going to do weekly weigh-ins and you're going to like start things. You're going to see a nutritionist, um, things like that. But I wasn't quite ready to start doing the real work. And so the real work in my like roof analogy is my dad ended up coming up at that time and started peeling back like layers of shingles and we discovered that there was actually like rotting wood and that was what was happening with the house and I feel like myself um it was kind of rotting wood like there was a lot of work to be done there was a lot of stuff that needed to be uncovered so that's the interesting thing is for me personally the eating disorder was not about food at all it was about that that rotten wood underneath that I really needed to dive into. And I'll kind of explain, um, you know, some of that, how I, how I was able to do that. Um, but as things sometimes do, it got a lot worse before it got better. Um, my anorexia later turned into bulimia. And when I was a sophomore in high school, that was when the bulimia was pretty much out of control. And I had my first inpatient hospitalization. 
And so that was, um, you know, a treatment program in Omaha, Nebraska at the time I was living in Lamar's, Iowa. So it was a ways away and it was, I mean, it was living there and doing the work. Um, I have to say, honestly, I wasn't quite ready for the work at that time. And that's the thing with an eating disorder and, uh, and a lot of addictions, I would say, is until you're ready to do the work, um, it's not going to work. And so I did that, got out things were, things were rocky. Things were rocky for quite a while. I ended up having a lot more hospitalization programs. Um, so I, you know, I had one more when I was a freshman in college. Um, I had another one when I was a sophomore in college, and then that was followed by a specific eating disorder one. And then my last one I had was when I was a junior in college. Um, and some of these were specific to eating disorder. Some of these were suicidal ideation. So that was also going on at the time. The last one that I had in college, the last hospitalization, um, I, came, I came into the emergency room and they were doing some, you know, stuff that they do when one is admitted. And the doctor said to me, did you know that you're pregnant? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> and so that was, um, that was really my wake up call that I wanted to start doing the work. And so I, I've shared this story with my daughter, um, my oldest daughter, her name is Ava. I immediately knew that when the doctor said, did you know you were pregnant? I knew it was a girl. And I knew her name was going to be Ava because Ava means giver of life. And that's, that's what she did. I, I always say like, she gave me my life back and I, I didn't. And, but that being said, I didn't change just for her. I changed because I decided that I wanted to be someone who showed up differently in the world. And so that's, that's an important thing because I think if you change for someone else, it can last for a certain period of time, but it's not going to be a lasting change. Like it has to be something that you decide you're ready and you do this because this is who you are and this is how you want to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that, that was my moment. I wanted to get serious. And the interesting thing, um, you know, I had these, these inpatient hospitalizations previously. So I had these five, um, five inpatient hospitalizations completely, but I wasn't ready to change in any of them, but I learned some really cool things in those programs. And that's the thing is I could cognitively tell you like everything I learned, it was just being ready. So once I was ready, I was able to take all of those different things that I had learned in the programs and actually say like, all right, I'm going to use these. And so I go back to, um, you know, when uh, one of my hospitalizations, it was specific to an eating disorder. It was um, Baptist Lutheran Medical Center in Kansas City. And um, I had, that was my first time doing yoga was at that inpatient hospitalization. And at that time, um, I really liked it. I liked it kind of as an activity to do, like we would do it before supper. Um, but it wasn't something that I was like, okay, this is going to change my life mm -hmm. right away. But when I was ready to change, I started really diving in and started like looking more at the other aspects of yoga other than the physical part. So when I talk about like 
when I talk about like capital Y yoga, that's like the yoga that allows for a complete life transformation. I was able to use that. And that has helped out so much in my journey, in my recovery journey. Um, I think other women who have paved the way and gone through eating disorders bravely and have spoken about it. Um, Jenny Schaefer has written a couple different books. Um, I really appreciate her book. It's called Life Without Ed. And that was kind of my first introduction. She didn't call it narrative therapy, but it's narrative therapy. It's basically externalizing um, the the eating disorder and saying like, okay, that's Ed. And then this is me. And so when she talks about life without Ed, that's what she's talking about. So mm -hmm. that really sparked my interest as a grad school student. I started learning about theories and one theory was narrative therapy. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, yes, this is it. So as a, a counselor, that is what I I primarily practice. It's my theory of choice is narrative therapy. It's all about basically saying, I'm not going to define myself by something I'm struggling with. So here's my struggle. Huh. And then I am someone different. And I think a lot of times we like to define ourselves by roles. Like it makes things neat and complete to say like, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a school counselor, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I'm a daughter. And, and yes, I am all those things but right. at the end of the day when we take off all these labels I'm someone different and so like those those roles that I was just talking about that's like lowercase s self but then I also have this uppercase self and we all do and that uppercase self is like the self that is a clean slate the self that has not been painted on are told by society this is how I want you to show up in the world um, that self is like the, I, I think of it as like the wave that eventually goes back into the ocean. Like when we can dissolve these illusions of separate, um, separateness and just say like, we, we are all one. And in the end, I, I feel like it's, it's our God center. That's my personal belief, but that is the capital S self. Hmm. And so when I think about like the, the solution, first of all, I think like, the um, the solution is realizing that you're you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You're already whole. Like every part of you is whole, perfect, and complete, exactly as you are. Um, and once you come about it from that perspective, which is like a perspective of abundance rather than lacking, you realize I have all the tools. Like I I know what I'm doing. I am this person already. And now I'm choosing to show up into the world as this person. And so that's, that's, that's my biggest, that's my biggest takeaway, I guess, is kind of realizing that you're not broken, realizing that you do not have to define yourself by your struggles, um, that you have this capital S self, um, that you have this kind of unlimited potential that is your God center and you are are free um, to tap into that anytime, anytime you need to. That's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful how, you know, exactly how to, um, you know, be proactive and pull yourself back in that moment. And I think you made a great point about all these roles that we have that make us who we are um, to others and how they perceive us. 
And at the end of the day, we're all just human and we're all trying to get by and deal with our emotions and our, our vices, our addictions, our feelings, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's really interesting. I've never heard about narrative therapy before. Yeah. Your, well, I didn't know your story about um, how basically you feel like your daughter saved your life, but my daughter saved my life too. Yes. Um, and I really truly believe that I, I did not want to have a kid after I had my twins. Like there was no way in, in heck I was going to have another child. And then um, we tried for Ray and I got pregnant. And when she was two months old, that was um, my rock bottom from my alcoholism was um, an emotional thing. I'd, I'd been in many physical things that probably should have been like, woo, we should, we should probably pump the brakes, right? But it was Reagan. I, I, I was so intoxicated that I could not hold my two month old. And mm -hmm. it was, um, it was the sat one of the saddest moments, my uh, emotionally of my life. And I haven't drank since. And so when you said that I was definitely connected to that, it's just so interesting how God does just very powerful things. You, for me now, it's like, I just have to be more aware and be like observant of what are the signs. I put quotes around that because I don't know if that's what it is. But now that I'm more aware because I'm out of self, I'm not like so laser focused on my drink or my whatever my addictions were. And I can actually like see the world. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how, you know, he places things in front of you. You just have to be aware of what he's doing um, and take that in. So super awesome. So I do have a question is narrative therapy kind of like, so I Googled it, <laughs> but um, I, I didn't get too much into it. So I'm like, Amy's going to tell me. It, it seemed as though it's kind of like um, manifesting as well. Like mm -hmm. I, I, if I believe that I'm these things or I believe that I'm going to do, like if you manifest yourself on something, then it comes true. Is is Am I correct when I say that? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. So it's the whole premise of it is basically it, you alone have the right to tell your story and you get to decide what your story is. So, um, you know, an unhealthy view of self is basically just subscribing to the dominant discourse. Like, oh, well, sure. you say I'm a walking eating disorder. So yes, that's what I am. That's my all encompassing identity. Whereas a healthy view, um, you know, of self, uh, self and mental health is saying like, now, wait a minute, like, it's, it's almost like the Max Lucado book with the um, you are special are like the sneeches when you're able to say like, now, wait a minute, that doesn't exactly fit me. And that's not going to stick to me. Like, here's how I want my story to go. And here's how it's going to go. And then there's other elements too, like you find sparkling moments. So specifically with my eating disorder, it's like, okay, when, when was I tempted to binge and purge? And yet I didn't. And then what was it within me that, that was able to do that? So not like, oh, well, I, I just didn't have money. No, there was something else. Like there was something in right. me, like my right. whole perfect self that, that allowed that to not happen because I didn't want it to happen. I didn't want that to be part of my story. And then it goes further, like finding witnesses for your story. So I think about the community that we build around ourselves and like, Hey, who wouldn't be surprised if you said today, 
I didn't let Ed beat me. Like who wouldn't be surprised? And those are the people who get to play a role in your story and the people who, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's, it's your community. And, and you have a right to say like, okay, these are going to be characters in my story. And these are people who are going to get written out because I, I really don't have room for that anymore. And if they try to slap these labels on me, nope, it's not sticking. That's literally how I live I my life that. now. So someone yes. must've taught me that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very cool. You, you have so much, you are so centered and just seemingly well-balanced. I mean, and this, this knowledge that you have, I feel like is so valuable. Um, I, I want to be like you. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's amazing. Thank you. I, I think um, like in a way I, I still suffer for like the, from this imposter syndrome where I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. glad I'm fooling you, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but I, I think we're constantly in this state of being and becoming where, mm-hmm. yes, um, you know, I, I, I have, I have stuff that I'm still working on. And, and like I mentioned, like I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. So this I've resigned myself to the fact that this is going to be part of my story. And I, it, that's not to say that like I have binged and purged in the past week because I haven't. Um, but I still have like when things get like when things get tough, like when my dad died unexpectedly in 2012, I can tell you the very first thing that I wanted to do after I got over the shock was binge and purge. Like that, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be there. Um, so, but I'm, I'm like, I'm solid in my recovery. I have these things that I know, I know what I need to do. I know my signs. Um, I'm becoming this person who is able to use my tools in my toolbox. And I'm also comfortable in the being. So I know that I am that person. Like I, I have found my capital S self and I know what that looks like. And I know how I want my story to go. And I'm confident that that's, what's going to happen. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So Amy, you have two daughters, right? Yep. Two daughters and two sons. I guess, does it terrify you, worry you that, you know, raising daughters in this society when you've been through, you know, your trauma started basically in school, right? So Mm -hmm. how do you are you just, I mean, I know that you're very open with your daughters, but what else, right? So what else is it that um, you basically speak to them about in regards to if these things come up for them, I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So um, that, you know, I talked a little bit about programs like Girls on the Run, um, coaching that my daughters are both Girls on the Run alum. um, And, you know, your Love and Lifts program, I, I, I love, opportunities for women to come together and young girls to come together in a community and openly talk about these issues. Because I I think that the more we talk about them, the more people are okay to say, hey, I'm, I'm going through that too, or I felt like that too. And again, we can show even young girls that like, it's okay to be in the arena and let's respect each other when we're in that arena and come together and show up for one another and support, support each other and support ourselves. So that's my big thing too, is no one has to go this alone. Um, I believe a hundred, 
a thousand percent in counseling. If I didn't, I wouldn't be a counselor. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I myself have been on and off in counseling many times. Um, I, that's something I speak openly with my girls about too. Like, it's okay. If you please go see your school counselor, if we want to get a referral to outside counseling, I mean, mean, whatever you need. Um, And let's talk about these things. You don't have to feel like you're totally in this alone. Um, so I think all those, all those little pieces of encouragement, just letting, letting them know, I want to hear about this. And if you're struggling, it's okay to struggle and it's okay to let me know. And there's help available. I love that. So is there only because yours, you know, I, I truly feel that all of our addictions or our, our stuff starts when we're young even if we have a beautiful lovely family I did not have a hard life growing up Uh, it was all like me inside me but it starts when we're young usually so is the only program in Yankton because most of our listeners are in Yankton right so I believe that right now is the only program girls on the run and with the pandemic I'm sure it's not happening but is is that it or what else is there for young females in Yankton yeah, I, I know. I mean, Girls on the Run is awesome. Um, I, I, you're right with the pandemic. We had to call our season short last year and then fall season didn't happen. But I, I do think that they're like they're working on virtual options. And I think in some communities, they might already have those. Um, there's also different support groups through um, like Lewis and Clark Counseling. I know always is having different groups. So it, I mean, if someone is listening and you have a young son or daughter who's struggling, please reach out to any of the agencies and just see what's available or reach out to um, your child's school counselor and they'll be able to point you in the right direction. And another thing I'm excited about is there's a program um, and I'm not sure, I, I haven't heard that Yankton is doing it, but I know in Sioux Falls they're doing it and it's called Let Me Run. And I think they were trying to pilot maybe at one of the schools and that's for boys. Because wow. I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes our boys get a little bit, you know, like I, I'm all for like, yes, females, like absolutely. And, but we also need to focus on our boys too, because they have mental health and a lot of, a, a lot of unique struggles. So I hope that yes. eventually all the schools in Yankton get that let me run program. Um, and then also, you know, the boys and girls club has awesome programming and that's only, it's $25 a year for um, a membership. So I, I think with the Boys and Girls Club, that's an awesome avenue as well. They always have groups. They have things going on on the kids' side and on the teen side. Yeah, I I really, I love speaking about my story and I, I love doing recovery speaking because I, I just think the more that, the more that we can talk about this and say like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Let's, let's talk about our struggles because everyone has them and we don't have to hide them under the rug. Um, and the other thing is, you know, I, I referenced Brene Brown and she talks a lot about shame. And that's the other thing is like, I am 0% ashamed um, of anything in my story. I think shame is like a, a giant hole that you don't want to go, go down. And that's not to say like, um, that's not to say like, I, I would, I want to be right back in my struggle again. Um, But it's just saying like, you know, nothing's wasted when you're on the path. And when you're on the path, there's this piece about like making your mess, your message, and we can use our struggles and really 
it, I mean, it's a valuable thing to be able to say like, yes, I, I have dealt with this and I've come out on top. And so when things get hard in life, I can always go back to this and be like, well, remember when I decided I wasn't going to be bulimic anymore? Well, there's that. <laughs> so I'm pretty confident I can yeah. do this too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very cool. Your quote of making your mess, your message is amazing because my story too, just all the things that I personally have put myself through, I never thought that it would be something to really talk about because I was ashamed of it, right? Until, Mm -hmm. until I came out on top. I don't know that I'm on top right now, but I'm sober today. So, Mm -hmm. you know, now I feel like I can share because I have a solution, right? When I was in it, there, there wasn't a solution. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling well. I wasn't, I wasn't able to really give anybody any sort of advice at all. But I love that because we are, we all like went through something and that's why we're doing this podcast too. The cool thing is I want people to listen at, hear someone else and it's locally in Yankton. There's someone else that has went through something any piece of this story that I can resonate with. Now I know someone I can reach out to, or I know where to go. That is, that's the big reason that I wanted to start. This is that's how I got on my sobriety journey. I heard someone speak and it resonated with me. You know, there's tons of people that were telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like you said, I wasn't ready. And it was also, they hadn't went through the same things that I was going through. So I finally found someone that I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that she would understand me because she sounds like things that I've went through. And so that's why I reached out to. And that's, that's what I want to spread here. Someone that, you know, doesn't feel comfortable going um, to reach out to agency, all these things, maybe they heard someone and they're like, oh, I know I can reach out to Amy because she might understand me. The whole thing, Mm -hmm. especially being young is you don't understand me. How many times do we tell our parents that, right? Right. So finding someone is truly amazing. And then to start walking along that path um, Mm -hmm. with someone being your guide. Mm -hmm. super important. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I, that's why I love what you guys are doing. I really love it. What Mm -hmm. is Amy, what is one piece of advice suggestion that you would like to leave the listener with from your experiences? Um, from my experiences, I would just say, know that you are, you are more than your struggle. Um, you are whole, perfect, and complete exactly as you are in this moment of being and becoming. Uh, stay in the arena. Know that nothing you do is wasted when you're on the path. Um, so stay on the path and find others who will journey with you on that. So, of course, you as the captain, lots of other co-captains, but stay on that path. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for awesome. inviting me. A lot of valuable information. I think I'm, I'm just, it's so important when you said, you know, the things that we've all done in our lives, they don't define us. Mm-hmm. They don't define us. They are 
lessons learned and their information and knowledge that were given, but they do not define us. And that really, that really stuck with me. So thank you for that. Yeah, right on. You're welcome.